Hey, you got five dollars? I can like half. Yeah. You keep living the dream, Tim. Done. Bye bye now. Class of '95. Class of '95. Here's your money, bitch. Next seminar up February 9th through the 11th, then April 12th through the 14th. Our next coaching workshop is going to be February 3rd on Long Island. This is open to anyone and everyone that wants to get better at coaching the barbell lifts, covering the starting strength methods and principles, and there is a discount available for active personal trainers to check out the link for details. Self-sufficient lifter camp January 13th in Wichita Falls, then May 18th in Omaha at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Squat camp January 6th in Queens, New York. Then a press and bench press camp on Long Island, New York on January 20th. Deadlift and power clean camp January 27th in Indianapolis at Starring Strength Indianapolis. And then a squat and deadlift camp with a few spots left December 16th in Greenville, South Carolina. And then finally, some three-lift camps, squat, press, and deadlift in Stockholm, Sweden. That's January 20th. Then December 17th in Seoul, South Korea, the Seoul Brothers are doing a squat, deadlift, and power clean camp. And finally, finally, rehab, injury, and pain management camp. This is a new camp, January 6th in Katy, Texas at Starring Strength Katy, and February 3rd in Chicago. These camps are open to anyone and everyone that wants to learn how to use the barbell lifts to deal with chronic pain and rehab injuries. So check out the link for more details. Starting Strength Gyms are running a promo for 50% off introductory sessions at any of their gyms. Head over to StarringStrength.com for details and a list of gyms and to purchase a gift certificate at 50% off the normal price of an intro of $185. Good stocking stuffer for friends, family, frenemies, anyone that you think needs to get off their ass and get in the gym. So check out the site for more details. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to StarringStrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the Internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Uh, we have as our guest today on the podcast our friend Jim Steele. Jim has been writing uh, interesting stories for the website for quite some time, and he's rapidly become our probably our most popular guest author on the website. No kidding. Yep. No, that's that's no shit. And uh, and I, you know. Uh, Jim, do you remember John McCallum that used to write for Strength and Health? Of course, of course. Well, you kind of, you know, are headed in that direction with your with your stuff that you're handing us. Uh, John McCallum, for those of you that don't know this, was uh, uh, apparently a lifter out in Washington State. Yeah, and uh, Star told me that no one had ever met him, that he just really? mailed. I wonder he, if it's a pen name. It, it may be. I don't know. But he he would send that stuff in in a manila envelope, and okay. they would get it, and they just ran it, but no, and then they'd just send him a check, but nobody knew the guy. And the so they just published him on the strength of the stuff he sent in. It was it – was, and it was, it was some good stuff, too. I mean, it's been reprinted. Yeah, it was really good. It was reprinted in yeah. in uh, a, a couple of books, and uh, yeah. 
if you guys haven't read that, I would highly recommend that you the key. What do they? What did he call that? Keys to, Keys to progress. Keys to progress. Keys to progress. Keys so when I progress. went to visit Star, I went to visit Star in his apartment. Yeah. You know, last couple of years when he was, you know, it was a hermit basically, but he was right. a self-professed hermit. Yes. He told me that's where he, that's. I said, "What's your what's your writing style, Coach?" And he said, "I just copy John McCallum." That's what he told me. <laughs> and if you noticed he does the. He kind of did. Yeah. yeah, it was the same kind of style. I right. love that style because you you can really say feel, <laughs> right, and, and quote it to somebody else. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess now that I think about it, he kind of did kind of head in that McCallum kind of direction with his with his prose. Uh, yeah. The uh, was great. Uh, McCallum was. Uh, a big proponent of just common sense training, just like we are. And, and, uh, you know, it's hard to fault the guy. Those were some very interesting stories. And he taught a lot of lessons with these little stories where he, as the coach was interacting with the kids in the gym and stuff. And, and it, they're, 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 they're highly, uh, highly useful. If you guys haven't read John McCallum, the keys to progress. I would suggest that you buy a copy and read it because you'll you'll have fun yeah, with it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and you know he had that get big drink in there. Yeah, yeah, like and eggs, raw eggs, and you know peanut, yeah, butter, peanut butter and all kind ice, of yeah ice cream and all kind of unappetizing shit. I can't imagine peanut butter in anything except a spoon. I just I just uh, hate yeah. the idea of it in. I don't like the flavor of it except by itself. But I know I'm real weird like that. So, uh, yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah, like. I don't like peanut have, butter cookies. I just don't yeah, like. Them. They're a little thick, but peanut butter and jelly on a on some white bread. Yeah, well, that's okay. No? Well, that's not oh the same thing as in a protein drink, though. My God, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just, it's just kind of odd flavor. You know, they make a peanut butter flavored cheap whiskey now. That's I saw that the other day. Somebody should have uh, should have told them not to do that. You know, because that's yeah. Just, so you're not going to add the peanut butter whiskey to the wall of whiskey that you had. Got no, 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 no. I I will no. not. No, that won't be <laughs> happening at all. So, uh, Jim, uh, I mean, you've been training as probably as long as I have, which is 48 years. Yeah, 1979, and, I started, and I'm 56. So Yeah, I started in uh, about 70. No, I started in about 76. I started in 1976. Uh, yeah. Uh, training. But I've been, I've had a job in this business for 48 years. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I've had quite a little bit of experience, and you've been working in this field for quite some time, too. And between you and me, uh, everybody else needs to shut the fuck up, you know? And yeah. uh, But they won't. They won't do it. They no, no, that's, that's, that's Functional training crazy. bullshit. Oh, I just I can't stand all this nonsense, you know? Yeah. People, it's who aren't, right, really, you know, people aren't entitled like to an opinion. Yeah, my 11-year-old son is a baseball player and they have all these academies and everybody's got the late, you know, each, each academy has a different gimmick, you yeah. know, whether it's, 
you know, this guy's a band expert. This guy's a, you know, all this crap. It's just a bunch of crap. But you got parents that believe in that kind of stuff. Well, they don't know and any it's better. Just like when they don't know any better. And then, and then I wrote this in an article the other day. I don't think I've sent it to you yet. It's just the way we, the, the training that we espouse, the, the philosophy is hard. Yes. And people don't want to work hard. It's no, really freaking hard. They would rather substitute complexity for hard. You yeah. know, shit that's complicated because it, you know, God, it must be technical and shit. But at no point do yeah. you ever have to finish a PR set of five. That's hard. No. And uh, no, they'd no. rather just, you know, do 20 reps of uh some kind of dance move in the floor with a 15 pound dumbbell. And, and I, yeah, and, and you can't, you can't watch pro football players play and be a developmental athlete. You know what I mean? You're not going to be a no. high school athlete. Not going to even be a college athlete and watch what well, we were, y'all we were talking about Patrick Mahomes training and he didn't, he, you know, he squatted a little bit, I think, but the rest of the stuff he does at practice, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like whatever an NFL player does is irrelevant. Completely, right, absolutely out. irrelevant. It doesn't matter what any of those guys do. They're they're genetic freaks, and that's why they were hired. And what a genetic freak does is not indicative of what you, a non-genetic freak, ought to do, because it's two different physical situations. You know, if you've got a thirty-eight inch vertical, you're already stronger than everybody else without doing anything. You know, yeah, you because that's what that's too. you change direction fast. You do everything because you're real good at getting muscle fibers to contract, and nobody else is. And as as yeah. as as a result of that, you're also not entitled to an opinion about how to get the way you are, because Mama right. and Daddy made you the way you are, not your bullshit strength coach doing. Uh, well, what do they call it? Uh, 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 functional training. Functional training is not how you got the way you are. Genetics no. is how you got the way you are. And these people just don't understand the value of the fifth set. The I'm sorry, the fifth rep of the third set of five. That's yeah. the hard one. That's the one where you got to decide, <laughs> am I going to do this or not? Yeah. And yeah, am I going to man up on this one or not? Or, or not. And if I don't, then and I put it up, then I don't have any idea if I could have done it or not. But I used uh, to sit down all my sit my teams, every college team I had, in the beginning of the year, and say, "I'm going to explain to you how this is going to feel today," because we'd be at a higher percentage of their one rep max. Right. And I'd say at the bottom of the squat, it's going to feel like your head's going to explode. You know, because you're holding your breath. All right. Um, you may get a little scared, but you've done a lot of them, so you can push through. Um, your ears may ring a little bit, but all that stuff is stuff you need to embrace. But if you don't tell them, they'll come out of a hard squat and they'll they'll drop it immediately. And I and I, Brett Crossland, you trained Brett. Mm -hmm. He said when somebody did something like that, he would say, uh, "You ain't weak. You're scared." He would just say, you ain't right. you're scared. No, but that's absolutely true. And all of this yeah. bullshit that's come up within the past couple of years about RPE, all that does, that rating of perceived exertion, all that does is feed on that fear. 
you know, if if you here's a it's 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 so difficult to communicate this to these fucking kids. Yeah. But let me tell you a little story about what happened to me about three years ago, back before I fucked my knee up, where I can't do this anymore. But I was doing a set. Of, I was doing a set of three one night. I was squatting. I was doing a set of three, and I happened to have two spotters in the gym because I normally end up in there by myself at night. But I had these two guys that were spotting me on this thing, so I said I'm going to go up a little bit heavier than uh, than I have for the past couple of months, and I'm going to try a triple. And right. uh, so I took the I, I warmed up and everything felt like shit. You know, those nights where 135 feels yep. like shit. Two and a quarter felt like shit. 275 felt like shit. 315 for the, my last single warm up felt like shit. And I had like 345 on the bar. You know, and I'm, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm 64 and I got wow. a lot of injuries and shit. And I'm just, you know, it just it's just awful. So three fifteen felt like shit. So I, I said I'm gonna go ahead and do this because I've got you guys here. Uh, right. But everything feels like shit, and I don't know if I can do this or not. So stand close. So I took the first rep uh, at three forty five, and I, I rode it down to the bottom, and I ground it up, you know, bone on bone, kind of like Star used mm-hmm. to say. And I said, I'm gonna, all right. That, that felt real bad, so stand closer than that. So I'm going to do the second one. <laughs> so I went. I took the second one down, and I stood back up, and I said, you know, I don't think I can do this third rep, you know. And you so I want you yourself. No, I'm telling them. Oh. I'm oh, telling wow. them. Okay. I'm saying I don't yeah. think I can do this third rep, and I want you to to not let me get killed here. All right. And so I took the third one down and I drove it back up, just drive, 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 and chattering, you know, how that feels. And I got back to the top with it and I racked it and I, and I said, man, I, that was, and the first spotter said, they all looked the same. Wow. Isn't they that all something? looked the same. I said, what do you mean by that third rep? Was said it looked exactly like the same as the first rep. It moved. The bar wow. speed was the same on all three of them. And I looked at the other guy, and he said, yep, they were all three the same. All right, now, I've been training at that point for, you know, 45 years. Right. And I can't tell. That's right. I can't tell good, yeah. about perceived exertion i can't rate perceived exertion and yet these clowns are selling (laughs) template workouts to novices who are supposed to be able to rate their perceived exertion well you don't know what's hard they don't have the slightest idea and you never do because your your subjective perception of what you have done is never accurate it can't right. be accurate. You can't make it accurate. And more and more time won't help. When I've been training for 60 years, I still won't be able to tell. 
Yeah, but you yeah. can tell on a person, on another person. I can you watch can say, somebody oh, else. You got another one. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah, I can watch somebody else, but if you're if you're selling somebody a template program where you're supposed to rate your own perceived exertion, you can't do it. Yeah, I mean it's just that's no, business model. That's not so. training. That's business. That's not training. So I don't think I've ever really is it is that like a popular thing now? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's it's is real it? popular among online coaches. Okay. Online coaches all want to use RPE. If you ever see those. The, that acronym, that's what it means. The rating of perceived exertion, which you are supposed which which you are supposed to to assign to your own training, your own reps. Furthermore, you're supposed to assign that based on your warm-ups to judge oh, your what works yeah. what work sets you're gonna do tonight. Now that's that is license to be a pussy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. This is your excuse yeah, I don't feel to right be a tonight. pussy and still pay me two hundred a month, right? That's yeah, that's what it's for. Tonight, so. Yeah. yeah. So and it, yeah, that's, that's what's going on now. That's what's going on now. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't well, know how much more guys. experience with it I could have. You know, that would make. Now, it you different. don't have enough. Couple more years, you'll be all right. Couple more years, I should have this down, right? Yeah. 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 So when did you start training, Jim? Um, let's say I was in seventh grade, 1979, and that was, uh, and on a universal machine, we had a phys ed class mm -hmm. and I was a pretty big kid, you know, a stocky kid. And there was a kid who was smaller than me, Davril Nash. I'll never forget him. And his bench was like 40 pounds more than me on the universal. And I was bigger than him, a lot bigger than him. And it pissed me off so bad <laughs> that I started, that I started reading about it and started training and he actually took me home with him uh and i lifted at the ymca and there was a bunch of older guys there and they helped me with stuff they only benched and did curls though yeah right, <laughs> but right. they helped me they helped me with the bench <laughs> and the curl. they all had these huge chests huge biceps and them tiny little legs mm -hmm. but you know that's that's the way they that's did it. the way it was at the time healthy. i remember it clearly how much do you bench how much do you bench how much do you curl yeah so i just got into it and i started uh you know, bought all the magazines, all the magazines. Oh, yeah. That's uh, when we learned. That's how we learned about all of this stuff. You and I looked at exactly the same magazines. Yeah, back at in the, same the time. late <laughs> 70s, early 80s, when Mincer was big and and uh, yeah. all the weeder guys were, were uh, God almighty, can you imagine the amount of bullshit information that was transmitted from those magazine pages into our little brains at the time god there was a lot and if when you like when you talk to the guys who wrote for those magazines they made a lot of that stuff up oh yeah they were just saying you know they they weren't really interviewing anybody they no, were making no, they that were stuff just, up they were just turning in articles they had to have something yeah, they had a deadline you know had to meet a deadline yeah. i need 800 words tomorrow at six o'clock you know so they would write 800 words yeah, I think at least Mentor was smart enough to write for himself. Um, so I started doing that in like eighth grade. But see, my dad was not real big on me lifting. It was still, you know, he grew up in the 30s, you know, so he, and so he, he I would sneak around, but I couldn't go join a gym and I was at a middle school, uh, junior high school. So anyway, when I got to high school, like ninth grade, that's when I could really start, start training because we had a gym at school. And so for football, yeah. I trained, but, uh, 
I was always into football like crazy. And in the off season, I do some bodybuilding stuff along with my football training. And uh, we had such shitty coaches that it got me even more interested in it. My coach we still do. He would, he would say, uh, big fat guy, I can't, and my high school football coach. And he, uh, he would come in and he hand us the program. It was a Nebraska program, but there was no cleans in there. And I don't know if the initial one had cleans, but I think it did. Oh, it did. The Epley's and, program uh, had cleans. Yeah, well, he yeah. must have scratched that out because he couldn't. T- well, nobody told us anything. He didn't know how to he coach. Would just sit his he would fat, sit his fat butt down and watch us and make little comments that he didn't know anything about. And uh, But it made me learn, and I learned and learned and learned and studied and talked to people. And my father was a professor at the University of Maryland, and he was really good friends with the head football coach there, Jerry Claiborne. Mm-hmm. And he would drop me off at the weight room, and I would watch the Maryland guys lift. And this was around that eighth, ninth grade time. Oh, wow. Uh, in fact, Mike Menster was lifting in there one day. <laughs> and I didn't care about I didn't care about Mike Menster. I cared about the football guys, you know, because this is where right. Randy White played. Right. But I remember him, and uh, he was working his ass off. So everybody says, oh, I think he did, you know, 20 sets of body part like Arnold, and he's just lying. No, he was, he was sitting on a bench, straddling a bench, doing behind-the-neck presses with no back support. And he was going to failure. I mean, he was he was training real hard, um, but he was like my height. I was in the eighth or ninth grade. But uh, he said, "Excuse me," because I was in front of the water fountain. <laughs> I remember that. So I just kept it going and just trained, just trained for football. And I trained for football, and I always was so into the lifting part. And my mom, my parents dropped me off down in D.C. in tenth grade to see the Barbarian Brothers. They were filming D.C. Cabin in D.C. Yeah, and I, they were doing a seminar, and I went. And they just dropped me off in the middle of DC, and, and I, uh, I watched them lift, and and was really into that kind of stuff, you know, and like the posing trunks and, and all that wasn't, but I liked the just being freaking huge and strong. Right. You know, I always liked that, and I right. could never understand why everybody wasn't like that. Like, why why are you a man and you're not like you want to be big and strong, man? Ever like why would you, you want to be small and weak? I was always, you know, you know. Jim, the most frustrating aspect of of running this website that I've got here is the fact that most of the guys that write in just don't get that. They they're concerned about their first concern, uh, even though they won't actually type this in the post, their first concern is body fat. Yeah. That's their first concern. They don't want to get fat. And they seem Who was to I, think I was telling, yeah. that they, they think that if you're if you're five eleven and you're two fifty at eighteen percent body fat, that you're fat. They think you're No, fat. you look pretty good. You look real good at two fifty, five eleven, you've got a seven hundred squat, you got a seven forty deadlift. Big traps. You've yeah. got big traps, you got a four fifty bench. You're pressing yeah. 275. You know, you don't even do arms, but you got 18 and a half inch arms. And, yeah. you know, you're, 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 you're a big, strong fucker. Right. And, and yeah. these kids are all yeah. going, yeah, but man, I, I need to cut, get back down to about 12%. And, you know, cause that's, that's where you, that's where you look. But I you think all that body fools, fat. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. 
I think all that body fat percentage stuff is is way too low. Is what they say is way too. There's nobody, man. Really, one percent, two percent. Nobody's one percent. That's that's not physiology. Yes. Nobody's ever had. You remember Clarence Bass? You remember Clarence Bass from little little skinny Clarence Bass, ripped guy from years ago. He's like 175 pounds, and less than that. And 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 yeah, if that, and he's, you know, claiming to be three percent body fat. Yeah, and I, I you mean, know, and I always looked at that, and I said, if you look like that, who gives a fuck what your body fat is? <laughs> he's he's so just small. a little emaciated little, you know, looks like a <laughs> card player or something. I, you know, I couldn't. So he knows how to lose body fat. He's not. He's he doesn't deadlift four oh five. What nah. what is this guy? You know, it, it's it's just amazing to me. So many people have have remained distracted by the idea that they can have razor abs. And I'm telling you, man, you know this just as well as I do. If you've got razor abs at any kind of body weight at all, then you have genetics. For razor abs, you've got thin skin, and you just don't deposit a bunch of sub Q body fat because that right. is a genetic characteristic as well. And not everybody is going to be six percent body fat, which is ridiculous. Six yeah, percent body fat, terribly low. You know, when I did those bodybuilding shows, I I definitely don't think I was that low, and I had veins everywhere, man. I was yeah. diced, you know, I was. I had yep. this Christmas tree in the back and all that. And I never thought I was that low because I was walking around at 18 to 20% body fat, probably. And then, right. I mean, I lost, you know, 20, 30 pounds. But uh, people say to I just never thought I was there. I just never thought I was, I was that. I don't think anybody's there. I think they're lying about yeah. it, just like they lie about every other goddamn thing they, they, they talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't believe that 6% body fat is attainable uh, by a psychologically normal human being. I don't think you can do that. I don't think people will intentionally abuse themselves, you know, to that extent for that long, for the length of time it takes to get down that low. You can do a real hard. you can't stay there very long. No, hours, maybe. I mean, these guys all tell you, that uh, the afternoon of the Olympia is how long they were in that kind of shape. No question. That day. That day. So that I would day. try to, yeah, we would peak right at the show. Because it's a combination then, of low body fat, dehydration, you know, yep. and the, the correct dehydration, not, not the kind that dehydrates muscle bellies, but the kind that, that pulls that last little bit of water out from under the skin and stuff to show the vascularity. And, you know, but this is a, you know, people think these kids think they can walk around like that all the time. And nobody walks around like that all the time. Get big. Now that's, you know, you just know, get huge. Get, get so huge. massive and strong. Get, I always want 20 wanted to, inch yeah. arms, get, 27 yeah, inch thighs you know that's what traps, you need to gnarly. think about big giant yeah. traps big piles of muscle behind your ears 
And that's what you need to do. And I keep telling them that in order to do this, you're going to have to eat 5,000 calories a day. And then they say, well, what about my body fat? Yeah, yeah. So my son was 195 last year. He's 17. He was 16 when this started. He was 195. He's 251 a year later. Wow. And And he eats, we're spending like almost $500 a week on his food. Just eating, but, uh, just feeding his ass. He eats ten, at least ten bricks. I think the bricks are a pound or a pound and a half of grass-fed ground beef a week. A week, at least, at least, at least ten. He eats a couple boxes of pasta. So here's the here's the day. This is what you got to eat. He eats a huge bowl of pasta and beef for breakfast. Then I pack him a huge thing of pasta and beef for or rice, usually pasta beef for lunch. Then when I before practice, I come pick up my little one at the school, and my oldest comes out. I have him two big sandwiches ready with chicken, breaded chicken patties, pork roll, which I don't know if they have pork roll in Texas, but it's no, like uh, I know what Canadian, Canadian bacon, right. Canadian bacon, a bunch of cheese. I bring him two of those. He eats those before practice. Then when I pick him up, I have him beef and pasta, and then he eats one more beef uh, meal before he goes to bed. It's usually beef and pasta. Again, that's a lot of eating, man. Yes, he's, that's he's, that's tired jaws. You know, yeah. But, but it's that's a, what it takes. It's it's what it takes, and a lot of people are don't understand that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable at first, but you get used to it. You get used to the eating. Yeah. You know, you get used to the eating, but they can't bring themselves to face the fact that you have to eat more than you want to if you want to get yeah. big and strong, more than you want to. Your desire for food cannot be the thing that drives how much you eat because yeah, nobody's got an appetite thing. like that, you know? No, no. Nobody's got an yeah, appetite so, like yeah. that. You just have to – this is a math problem. How many calories and how many grams of protein do I need to eat per day? And then at night when you get there and you're still short a thousand calories and a hundred grams of protein, well, I'm sorry you fucked up. You know, you didn't eat that before now, so you got to eat it now. But this is what's required. This is just a math problem. And the way you feel about it is irrelevant. You know, but teaching them this, first off, you have to get them past the idea that abs are what they're training for yeah because you got those abs if you want it down the road to do like i did stop power lifting and i never trained abs in my life and i had abs right because i was doing those lifts and squats all the freaking time right. abs don't my come abs from sit-ups yes abs don't no, come no, from no. sit-ups boys and no, girls abs did. come from squats and presses and deadlifts and things that hold your spine stable that's where abs come from they don't come from sit-ups you can do sit-ups all day long and not develop any abs but you get your deadlift up to 700 with a flat back your abs have yeah. worked and they they just yeah. can't wrap their head around this you know no, it's true. And so you can go, you can always go back because they're going to be there. But to develop the hugeness that you need to be on stage as a bodybuilder, yes. you got, you got to gain some weight, man. You got, you cannot, all these guys. And so I'm, I know who some of these guys are on YouTube now because of my kids, but they're like, look at this. And I wrote this in an article, look at this guy. And I'm like, he's 147 pounds. 
You know what I mean? That's what they used to he's say. A now my child. kids a differently, but <laughs> I'm like, he's, yeah, but look how ripped he. I'm like, man, come on. Dude, People so in Ethiopia crazy. are ripped. Ripped to shreds. Ripped to shreds. And their backs are all rounded with 225 on the deadlift. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. You yeah, know? they're just so it's uh, misconceptions yeah. just run rampant throughout this whole entire industry. And lots well, and lots of coaches are making it. money off of it, you know. Yeah. Lots of coaches feed that. Coach. They they feed the perception that small is fine as long as your as long as your body fat's low. And that's a whole different that's a different approach to this than what you and I have always taken. You know. Yeah, because and, look at the guys we looked up to, looked at look at the guys that we trained like they were monsters big giant monsters you know i was at guys mike webster and those guys mike webster and those guys yeah i had pictures of them all over my walls right mike webster's striated triceps when he's uh hiking the ball to bradshaw i mean (laughs) these guys and you they'd have their t-shirts on after practice and they the traps would be sticking out of the top you know and then you'd see the vein through the shirt Oh yeah, them. or they'd cut their shirt, cut their jersey sleeves off and shit, just to, yeah. just to scare the shit out of the defensive line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the Cash uh, Meyer and all those guys, John Cash, uh, uh, Roger Estep, all these guys were just monsters. And, you yeah, know, and they they look good too, but they weren't doing ab pose. You know what I'm saying? No, but uh, yeah. you know they were. You they, know, were just, I got to and go you knew to they could. The, you know, they had. If you'll remember, back in 1983. You might remember this. They had the senior nationals in Austin. And uh, the U.S. Uh, Powerlifting Federation, it was USPF back then. That, that was the yep. major That was the major federation. USPF had the senior nationals in Austin. Yeah. And Chip McCain was the meet director. And uh, a couple of us went down to watch that meet. In fact, I went down because I was taking my uh, USPF referee test. I took my USPF referee test from uh, Lyle Schwartz of the Schwartz formula, and uh, oh no, kidding! (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, we uh, we we sat on the stage off to the side behind a table, and the way we had to do the test was we would. We would watch the lift being judged at the time, and we would have to be in agreement with the three judges something like 90% of the time to pass that test. So we'd, we'd look at the test, we'd look at the lift, and we'd vote. And then he'd compare our vote to the judges. And you were allowed 10% error, and that's it. So that was the – that's the practical part of that test. I don't know how they do it now, but that seemed like a pretty damn good way to do it. And then there was a written test. Yeah, that is. But it was a, it was a, it was a real interesting meet, but the, uh, the 275 class at that meet, I think they had just recently established the 275 weight class. They didn't have the 308 yet, but they had the 275 weight class. And then there was, super after that the guys in the 275s were uh it was 
that weight class was far in excess of the world's in terms of the uh, as far as the weight lifted for in terms of the total totals yeah. the first five totals in that weight class would have won the world's yeah that they man think how good we were back then oh my oh, gosh oh we were we Monsters nobody was the earth no the one earth. could touch us nobody could touch us oh guys yeah, like mark chalet yeah and jim cash was there and Furness and, was there probably Doug Furness was there, and uh, that might have been his last meet. In fact, uh, quads oh, like huge quads. Oh yeah, just, you know, ridiculous quads like car. So that's what got me into. That's what I wanted to look like, man. Yeah, I never could understand why nobody wanted to. So I trained for football, and I was, you know, two sixty five, two seventy when I played, and I'm five nine. Yeah, five nine, but I was. I knew I was playing nose guard. I was like, I got to be big, man. So we lifted hard, hard, right. especially in junior college. So I, I didn't have the grades in high school. Man, we didn't have any teaching. But once I got to junior college, uh, the next county over, we were to Port County, the next county over had some strength coaches, I guess. And the kids I played with at, at the junior college knew some stuff about lifting. They were strong, Rip. They were mm – -hmm. I've, I've written about my buddy Chris. He squatted 6'10 for three as a freshman, rock wow. bottom. Rock, yeah, rock bottom. And uh, bench 485, and his and his grip was, you know, shoulder width. Um, so I was, he, he was my training partner. Never bothered, he was so far ahead of me on everything, it never bothered me that he was that much stronger than me. Because you know? <laughs> uh, he was doing, we had a behind the neck seated press. Yeah. That they, everybody had that back. Everybody did behind the necks. Oh, yeah. And he did three. He did 315. I got 275. We would only go to the bottom of the ear, but uh, he did 315 for a few. And I was like, damn. He was curling yeah, 225. So it was, it was a great, great uh, atmosphere. We lifted in my girlfriend's basement in junior college. Yeah, you've written about that. And we that. lifted after practice. After practice, we would go. We'd Just eat a bunch after practice and wait a while yeah, we'd have and a hoagie. go down the train. We'd, yeah, we'd have a big hoagie or something. Um, with a sub sandwich, and then we'd go to the basement. And I remember I squatted 450 for eight, eight weeks into the season on a Tuesday. And you know, <laughs> it was it was just no big deal because right. hell, last week you did 425. Let's go. And then, you that's, know, and then we what's we'd expect do some fives and stuff like. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. you know, Maryland's yeah. always been a good lifting state. Maryland's always had some. Maryland matter turned like, out giant, strong guys. You know. Yeah. Uh, Kirk. Who was the guy that star trained? Hendricks or something? Oh. Her, oh. oh. He lifted oh, in that no, shed no. with star. Oh, uh, you're not talking about George Hector. Yeah. Hector. Huge, right? Hector was one of the most amazing lifters the United States has ever produced. Exactly. And he was, uh, you know, who was that guy that ran that big meet in Hawaii? Uh, Gus, uh, Gus, Rethwich or something. Rethwich. So Rethwich, yeah. George got invited to that meet one time, and uh, and uh, he went over there, and he was he was ready, he was ready. He opened with like nine seventy five, opened his squat with nine seventy five, took it out of the rack, and just plates rattled at the top. He told me, I'd, yeah. 
Yeah. Never felt that strong. So we called for 1,008 for a second attempt. Wow. And he was coming up with 1,008, and he felt his hamstring. Oh, yeah. And he got forward with it and had to rack it. I mean, that was the – Yeah. That was – but he said he, – he told me I was coming up with it so fast I got off balance. It came forward, didn't it? It came forward a little it came bit. Yeah. Forward. He wasn't expecting it. He yeah. wasn't expecting yeah. it to come up that fast. And he got forward with it because it was off balance because he was moving it so fast. And yeah. I'm I, And if it was lighter, he probably could have made that adjustment. A, a but thousand man, that eight. Heavy. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, make an adjustment. And he was at the yeah. time he was three sixty five. George is five ten. Oh, he yeah. he was he was huge. But yeah, uh, and then and then you know next year he dropped down to two forty two, and put five pounds on his deadlift. No kidding. Yeah, well you can see how that you might improve. That's the your last mechanics, thing you lose. You know, it's the last thing you lose when you lose weight is the yeah. deadlift and uh, lose the bench he, first squats. He lost yeah. a little bit of thigh girth, so his pull yeah. mechanics were better over the middle of his foot. And he, yeah, I can see. I can see how he did that. He dropped about 90 pounds off his squat. His bench went down pretty bad. But, my God, you know, because he couldn't stay at 365. It's just not, you know, you can't do that. No, but you know what? It's good to be there once. I was be there once. Is, that teaches you things, yeah. you know. Oh, he yeah. was. I was he 312, was, and I was miserable, man. Yeah. But sweating all the you time. Walk in. Yeah, but I did. And so my, my 11-year-old. Uh, was bent over wrong 135 the other day, and I was saying how good that was. He said, Dad, what's the best you ever done? At 312, I did six plates for a couple reps. Oh, God. I could go in. I, could, I mean, it didn't move that far because my belly was so big, but I didn't care. Yeah, I six plates. Go in and do crazy stuff. Crazy yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, God yeah, almighty. That, I had some real bad advice about my body weight. A long time ago from Star. And, you know, God bless the poor old man, him being dead and everything. What did he say? He told me to stay at 220. Oh. And I'm 5'8". Wait, why? Because he was about half bodybuilder. Oh. He didn't think he needed to be that fat. And I should, huh. there's no way in the world I should have stayed at 220. I should have been well, you wouldn't have been at fat least 242. Yeah. I wouldn't have been fat at 242. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ed was 5'5 five, five and 242. And nobody he would have accused fat. Ed of being fat. No. You know? No. But I, I no. should have been at 242, maybe more than that. You know, I should have been walking around at 250 and made weight at 242. You know, that's what should have happened. At least two seven. I mean, you know, and that that, uh, that cost me a bunch of total, man. That cost yeah. me total. Because you're you're only going to be that big for a little while. No, I you don't stay there myself. the rest of your life. You no, know, you no, get up no. that big. You, you know, for the meat, you 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 know, you you drop eight pounds for the meat, and then you yeah. get sane again after the meat's over with. But see, if I was going to squat. If I was going to squat seven, pull seven and a quarter, bench 
450 i would have had to have done it at 242 because 220 i was just it's just not big too light it's too light yeah. for that height and people right. don't understand what we're talking about here half the people listening to us right now are thinking five eight 242 what have you <laughs> lost your mind i mean they're thinking of their uncle bob you know who wears a portly suit you know that's who they're right. thinking about that's five eight 242 but that's not yeah. that's not the case that's not what we're talking Nothing. about here yeah you got some muscle when you're there too yeah oh god yeah. it's just what i this is that's that's the most disappointing thing to me here at this you know 30 years later that's the most disappointing thing to me is that i stayed too damn light really oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah and i trained Jim, I trained so fucking hard, you know. I mean, you get obsessed <laughs> with that, and there is nothing yes. you won't do. There's nothing, nothing you, won't, you do. won't do. There's nothing you won't take out of the rack. I remember yeah. taking out of the rack. It was a couple of weeks before a meet. I remember doing 600 for a triple. Mm. Walked that back out of the rack, did three reps with 600. Pulled my groin mm-hmm. on the last rip. Pulled the groin, both sides. Ugh. And, uh, man, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Two days later, I started rehabbing it. Head squat. Wait, did it. you finish the rep? Did you finish yeah. the rep? All three. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's you all got that a matters. triple with Oh, this is 600. what I told you. Yeah, yeah. That's damn good, yeah. So, and, but, you know, and I probably did that way in about 222, something like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, if there is no, I should have been 20 pounds heavier than that, you know. And uh, I, I don't know who told me that you, I don't, I don't know who I was reading. Maybe it was McCallum. And he was, you know, get, if you want to be strong, the quickest way is to just put on weight. Get big. I wasn't, yeah. I was better at, at around 270, you know. Oh, I'm sure. At 312 was. 312 was, was rough. My blood pressure was <laughs> but pretty I excessive. Give, I didn't care at all. No, 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 no. Care at all. No, you're going to no. come down from that anyway. And besides, the yeah. total is more important than your blood pressure. Didn't you care know? at all. Didn't care no. once. I wanted the South Carolina squat record. That's what I wanted. And it didn't matter. I ended up missing it and then coming back and squatting more later. But uh, it was, uh, I didn't care about anything else. I mean, I was coaching at the right. time and all that stuff. So I had to do that, but the but you know sometimes I'd be out of practice going. I hope this ends soon. This is taking five pounds off my squat, man. I'm gonna have to take a hot bath. I'm gonna have to get a massage. I'm gonna you know to get my right. reps. Right. You know ahead of time. That's why you can't go in and do go by feel. You, no. You have your and as soon as you're done with that squat workout, you know what you got the next squat workout the next week, and you're obsessed with it. And yeah, you've got and, and you I'm, live by your journal. You know, and if that, somebody wants to go out and do something, or, or I'm like, well, how far we got to walk? You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not freaking walking around the mall. I'll sit right here. If you need me, you know, just come get me. But I'm not walking uh, all over the mall. Because uh, you got a deadlift too. I do one thing for recreation, and that's lift weights. And, and you got a deadlift. And, and so your low back has to be fresh. Right. So people ask you to move. Uh. Uh-uh. I'm not moving. I got a meet in six weeks. I'm not helping you move. You know, I'll come give you support. I'll come, I'll come <laughs> drink serious. beer while was, you uh, watch while you move, but I'm not doing it with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people don't understand. People that have not been in a competitive situation like that just do not understand the the motivation of a of a guy. And 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 we're not on a team. See, we're not on a team. We're not we're not playing for a scholarship. We are in there busting our ass because we have individually entered a meet ten weeks from today. And we're going to do whatever it takes to PR the total right. 10 weeks from today, whatever it takes. Cause now you've sent your entry form in and you are committed to this deal. And every workout takes on a whole entire new level of meaning to you. And, and, uh, your priorities change. Yeah, I have one, I have online clients and if they ever even mention it, Oh, someday, I'm like, find a meet in six months. You'll be strong. You know, and then, man, right. their whole change, everything changes. Their, everything their changes. Motivation you everything just changes. put that thing in the mail. I guess they just do it online yeah. now. But you, the, the minute you enter the meet, the minute you pay your money and you say, I'm going to be there and I'm going to weigh in at 8 o'clock that morning and the lifting starts at 10, everything's different yeah. from that point on. And if you don't, That's right. if you hadn't done it, you don't understand. Every time at a meet, I I couldn't wait to get it, be done with it, you know, and start my training and write my training down for the next cycle. Right. You know what I mean? You're right. like, I'm yeah. gonna improve on this, and everybody. Oh, that's what I would do. Hell, I'd get yeah. back from the meet with a new total, and at yeah. that Monday, that Monday, I'd get the book out, and I would I would plan ten yeah. weeks of training based on what I had just got through doing. And it's, you know, it's, so it's, fun, it's, it's not usually possible to make those numbers always work. Cause I don't know about you, but I was always overtrained. And the reason I was overtrained is because I was five, eight and two twenty instead of two forty two. Right. That's why I was overtrained. That's all there is to You're it. Too small to recover. Too, too small, small to recover. recover from the load I was carrying. But, uh, you know, I, uh, so when I got done training for football, that's when I did some powerlifting, and uh, I I had no I have no patience, so I don't, I don't like warm ups. I I don't. When I was powerlifting, I would just do the exercise. So when I would come into squat, uh, I would just squat and I would right. leave. <laughs> I wouldn't. I right. tried to do. I, I was. I remember the first week I was doing. I was doing this meet with my best meet, and I did leg curls. I was like, you know what, man. Start this doing is... some weak points stuff and all that. So I went and I did one set of leg curls. I was like, why am I doing this stupid shit? The tension on the squat was 720. Right. And this, you think this little And you think this Nautilus machine is going to, with a hundred and, with a 200 pound stack is going to do something on top of that. You know, and yeah. it's, this is what we've been writing about just recently is uh, our program consists of six exercises and that's all. Yeah. We that was squat, powerlifting flop. Squat, yeah. we deadlift, we press, we bench press, we power clean, and we chin. And maybe we barbell yeah. row. But that's it. That's it. There are no body part exercises. They're, that They are useless. They are yeah. pointless. They are counterproductive. They don't do anything. Nobody ever made their squat go up with a leg curl. Nobody. Nah. But you ever did that. Nobody ever made their squat go up with a leg extension either. <laughs> Nobody ever right. did that. Nobody. Yeah. 
you know, and yeah. it's just convincing these people because because you've got an entire fitness industry arguing with you about that because they got all these machines yeah. on the floor. Everybody has money involved. Everybody's got money Everybody involved. Everybody has money man. involved. You know, yeah. Everybody, and, every yeah. When the barbell's cheap, man. The barbell's cheap. You buy it once. Buy it once. Use it for forever. the next forty there's years. There's no rebuying. No. Yeah. There's nothing to break down. There's no repeat you know, we, customers. I think I had when I coached at Penn. I think we had 120 bars or something like that. We had one bar that screwed up a little bit that we had to get right. fixed. Everything else, those things last forever. I have got, a bar in my gym that was made by. It was made by Buddy Caps in Grand Prairie in 1980. It is perfectly yeah. straight. Wow. Perfectly straight. A 43-year-old bar that's been used in a commercial gym for 43 years that is perfectly straight. Now, I they were making bars. they were making 4140 steel a lot better back then, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, my God, it's that thing is my favorite bar. And, uh, yeah. I still use it and it's, uh, but of all the machines that have been in and out of that gym, I've got the hope I've got what I've got a lat machine, uh, a cable, a tricep cable machine. Mm -hmm. And that's all <laughs> a bunch of racks. And I got 10 racks. Bunch yeah. of platforms, bunch of bars, bunch of plates, and that's it. And I got a rack of dumbbells over there that goes up to 127 pounds that don't get used very much anymore. But I can't get rid of them because they're hell. That's ten thousand dollars worth of dumbbells. I save them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, they're not hurting anything. Yeah, I always did the. I, I just never, and you know. I can't be in the gym more than 45 minutes. I have been in the gym more than 45 minutes when I had to do multiple sets of heavy squats. But if that's not the case, I'm I'm doing one exercise. and I'm, So I wasn't overtrained. So I would deadlift. I would do doubles. Uh, and, right. You know, I would do doubles. Uh, and I do always do heavy bent over rows. This is all powerlifting stuff. Right. And then I'd leave. I've, if I may have done a hammer curl or two, but I don't really remember. And then on the bench day, I did bench and close grip. And that's it. I was doing a competition bench, and then I would close grip. And man, I thought close grip helped my bench a lot. But uh, and once in a while, I'd incline, but it was mostly. Yeah, I found know, inclines to hurt my shoulders. I never did the damn things. I yeah. still got an incline bench in there, but I, all of our new, uh, all throughout the gym chain that we've got right now. We got 22 gyms open, 22 starting strength yeah. gyms open. People sign up with us, and they pay us a bunch of money, and they come in and they squat. Then we alternate the press and the bench press, and they deadlift and they go home, and that's all. Yeah, that's good. That we don't have yeah. anything except racks and bars and plates in that in the gyms. All they do is three barbell exercises and they go home and everybody gets strong. Everybody, we've got people squatting in the mid fives that started training with us and yeah. there's no assistance work because it's pointless, but you can't tell anybody that that's got $20,000 <laughs> worth of machines sitting on the floor. 
Yeah. You know. Well, it's just like, you know, I was a strength coach for 30 years, and I had to add stuff in. Now, I always got the, – the kids always got arm work. Football players always got, you know, wrestlers and all that. Uh, I was talking to Frank Costello at the University of Maryland. He was, like, in the early 70s, he was the strength coach there. And he told me a couple years ago, he said, you know how I got the Maryland football players interested in weightlifting? I was like, how's that? He said, we finished everything with arm work. So they'd walk across campus. And this is 1972, 73. <laughs> nobody lifted weight. People would go, what? What is that monster? And so they'd be like, coach, we need some more of this. But so when I when I coached, I had, I did stuff like that. But, uh, you know, i throw in there. But we never did any. We would squat, deadlift. And kids hate RDLs. They hate RDLs. I, I threw them out early on. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're doing deadlifts, why do the RDL? I don't think they accomplish um, anything if you're deadlifting heavy. And I I don't think we did any any direct and we never had knee problems. I never had knee problems. You couldn't use the knee thing against us. We did some one legged stuff as warm ups. Um and as far as the upper body stuff, everybody heavy pressed, uh everybody heavy benched. And then I'd, I'd give them choices. You want to do some chest, shoulders, stuff like that. Go ahead. You know, you want to do some right. lateral raises, stuff like that. Go ahead. But the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, that's, uh, the, that's the carrot. The main at, meal in the was, stick. You was know, heavy. We had we had you know five hundred pound squatters, and we had thirty ki- kids clean over three hundred one year. That was freaking amazing. Yeah, man. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that and we were like Ivy League, yeah. Ivy League kids. But yeah. they they really like to lift. I think we made it we made it fun. All my assistants were real strong, you know. Uh, my two girl assistants, the one Christy deadlifted five fifteen in the gym and five oh eight in competition. Wow. She's a head strength coach at NC State now. So she, right. we got another one of us out there now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I used to have the players. I'd say. Uh, I'd say I'd bring out the tape measure and I said, "Hey, let's measure some arms, guys." And they'd be like, 15, coach, 16, you know, the freshman. And then I'd bring out her. I'd bring out Christy, and her arms were like 16 and a half, 17. <laughs> so, it's oh, good for him to and see that, to, you know. No question. That's good for him to see. I still think you're a big deal. <laughs> then we do body weight deadlift. I'd say, who wants to do the body weight for as many reps as you can in deadlift? And a kid would volunteer, and I'd be like, good, you got some guts. Let's go. And I didn't even have Christy. She wouldn't even be standing there. And they'd get like 20 reps. I don't know how many they'd get, but then she would pass. I'd bring her out. It was pretty cruel what I did. I'd bring her out, and she would beat them and and just keep going and going and going. Because So they got put in their place right away. But uh, they always had those strong assistants, so people were like, oh. Good. Yeah, take them down a notch. That's good. Take them down a notch. Kid walks in with an ego. He's not going to train hard for you because he thinks he already has. Yeah, I'd be like, you're the weakest one on my staff. Um, <laughs> weaker than anybody on my staff. But, you know, we had some strong kids, and they really – I think they looked at the weight room as someplace – I couldn't – I didn't have playing time. When I was at Gardner-Webb, I coached at a bunch of different places. I was also the defensive line coach and the strength coach. When I was at Penn, I was just the strength coach. So I could, I wasn't holding anything over their heads. You know right. what I mean? Like a football coach right. would. So they felt, you know, now we can let loose in here, you know. Um, but anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but we were talking about heavy lifting and, and the basics. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, the basics are all, the basics are all you need. And you know, the, the, really it's a shame that, you know, after you've been training 
eight or nine months and your training has got to get more complicated, you're going to end up dealing with some assistance exercises. And there's that's probably the wrong approach. Probably the better approach is to go ahead and, and vary your training as an intermediate lifter would who is making PRs every week instead of every workout. But leave right. the assistance exercises alone. They don't make anybody strong. They can't make anybody no. strong. How is any kind of a machine anything going to improve a 700 deadlift? No, it'll make you it, better at the it, machine. It though. can't. You yeah. know, the 700 deadlift makes you better at the machine. And not the uh, other way around. On and do the whole stack. Not the other way around. Well, what have you been doing recently, Jim? You you uh, aren't at Penn anymore. And no, uh, I left in uh, January 2019. I'd been coaching for since 1989, so that was it was long enough. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of decent supervisors, but then they started started hiring people that never lifted a weight in their lives, and uh, right. The good thing was nobody ever messed with me about my program. I never, never, they never, nobody ever told me what to do. And then the last supervisor started making suggestions. Why do we lift so heavy? Why are we doing these max days? Why are we? I was just, you know, so yeah, I, she's, she's, it, yeah. How do you explain that? <laughs> Why you should you have to explain that? Well, you know what happened, man? I got like one, I had one more strike and you're out kind of thing. Cause I was going, you know, zero. Just let me tell you what you know. You know zero because I'd be in these meetings, Rip. I'd be in these meetings, and we'd be going around talking about our feelings. I swear, and you know, all this <laughs> stuff <laughs> hurt us. Or, I swear, yeah, and Jesus and I'd be looking at my the twenty first century encroached. <laughs> and I got sixty football players waiting to lift. You know, they're standing outside the door, and I have to go to this. You know, so it just came to a head where I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So uh, I just started writing, and I got. I have like 20 online clients. So people will email me and say, man, I, I'm just tired of, I don't know what to do. You know, I want to get strong. I want to get big. I take the guesswork out of it. Or I may, it may be somebody who says, I got a wedding in 12 weeks, that kind of thing. Don't know how to eat. Don't know how to train. Um, I get a lot of guys and, and females in their 50s, 40s and 50s. And they're basement lifters. I love these right. people. They're basement lifters. I got one guy. He's not four. He's probably late thirties, but he's got two kids. He lifts at five o'clock in the morning. His wife works like, works like third shift, so he's got the two kids in the in the cribs and stuff while he's squatting. You know, that's the kind yeah, of yeah. That is the same demographic that our gyms uh, draw from. We are looking yeah. for. We say that our demographic is fifty-five year old guys who use Viagra because they still <laughs> want to, because they want to participate, yeah. right? They're still physical. They yeah. want to participate. And that's who we, you know, we, we end up accidentally with about 20, 25% women in these gyms. And we've got some strong old girls them. in there, you know, women that have come in frail and who are a year later of normal bone density. And squatting yeah. one eighty five, you know, in their in their fifties, you know. You've ever, ever read that study where it was an orthopedic surgeon told me about this stuff? I don't remember it either, but where they just took elderly people and they put the squ the bar on their back and stood there, and it improved their bone density. 
just well, that there is a there is a chain of businesses uh, around the country. It's a franchise deal, and it's largely bullshit. But it's they have machines yep. in their in their businesses that just load the skeleton statically, and right. our results uh, happen about five times faster than that. Of course. But it is just, you know, you should, they should never be afraid of training. Right. Never be afraid of Barbell. It's it's the answer. Yes, it is. You know? It is the answer. It's damn near every question. You know, if, <laughs> if you're talking about anything physical, the Barbell is probably the answer to it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we're doing pretty well with that, with that group of people. I don't, we don't care if we get any athletes in there or not. We don't. Well, we don't need athletes in there. We we you know we the athletes can't pay us. You know, I mean we're in, no. we're in business. We're trying to get paid, and we're yeah. we're looking at athletes' parents, right? Know? And that's who we want in there. You know, we don't want the kid on the football team. We want his grandmother, because we <laughs> yeah. can make more of a difference with her than we can with him. Because yep. he won't listen to us, and she will, right? And if you take a 67-year-old lady who is frail, and you hand her her physical existence back, that's cool. All the difference that, in the world. You changed her life. Cool. You, you, you've done way more for the universe by doing that yep. than you have messing with a 19-year-old athletic freak. He'll be fine. Right. He'll be fine. His grandmother needs some help, and that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, man, and it's simple. Once they learn the skill, yeah, we just know, have that's to, what people don't understand. It's such this, a skill. This is it's the a, thing that skilling. we have done the best is we have learned how to teach barbell exercises without machines. We've learned how to teach people how to squat, how to press, how to bench press and deadlift. We can teach them quickly and safely, and their balance is immediately improved. Everything, yeah. everything about them immediately improves because of the fact that they are standing there with a weight, moving it through space, and all the whole entire body responds to that, and it responds quickly. And, uh, you know, had I not made all these mistakes over these years, <laughs> Me I, too. I wouldn't know how to do that. You know, but I think yeah. we've got a pretty damn good method for teaching all this stuff. Well, and, it's simple uh, to learn. Once, you know, it really you, is. Once you, uh, once you commit yourself, now you now you can learn it. Now you just practice the skill of doing it. Yep. Yeah, just yeah. over and over And that's the good thing again. about the frequent training. Yep. You know, the frequent training lets you learn the skill. Yes. You know, you're not. That's you're why not, we insist on three days a week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You just, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, there's a skill component and a training yeah. component and we work both of them at the same time. Well, That's uh, stuff. things going well with you then, right? You're, you're busy yeah, with so, your online uh, stuff. When left, and when I left coaching, uh, I started the online stuff. I was still doing, I was doing it a little bit when I was coaching, but, uh, I'll be honest with you, man. So my kids live 45 minutes they, they go to school 45 minutes where, away from where we live. Right. We, we didn't, we're not doing a public school thing. We, Good. we took, put them in a private school because. Good. Uh, Cause you're, a lot of cause reasons, you're responsible. But, yeah. That's why. 
because you're responsible yes, parents. Uh, that's why. So basically, man, my whole morning is getting them up, cooking, you know, cooking food for them, uh, and then taking them to school and coming back. And then I usually train. I usually either lift outside under my deck. I got I do deadlifts out there, or I got a, a power rack here in the basement, and I go to the Tillas also. Right. I usually go to Tillas probably once or twice a week. It's four, it's thirty right. minutes away, so. Um, you know, mostly I just deadlift, <laughs> so, right. you know, I deadlifted 82 days in a row last year. So, oh God. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I love deadlifted. It's the only thing. So squat, I squatted for the first time in like a year yesterday because I was just pissed off that I wasn't squatting. <laughs> and, uh, because the problem with the squat is that I have to warm up so freaking much right, in order to get everything lubed up. But, uh, you know, I lay on that so right. Have you seen that? No. It's a two piece of plastic that releases your psoas. No. Yeah, I lay no, on that I'd, thing. I don't like have any minute, trouble minute with it. I've hurt my uh, knees. When I get up in the morning, about... I'm all I'm all bent over. I'm all bent over when I wake up in the morning, and that's because my hips are so tight. But right. I didn't know that for years. I thought yeah. it was my low back, and so I was like, "Oh, my back's all screwed up." Now I lay on this thing, and it releases my psoas or whatever it does. My buddy Phil Wagner thinks it's uh. It's just that it makes it, it numbs it, you know, so you right. can move move free. Yeah, I don't but know anyway, what to do. We uh, and then I squat. I squatted yesterday, so I was happy. Yeah, I somehow managed to squat. I, I what I've been doing recently is I've been alternating the squat and the and the and the fairly low rack pull every other week. Uh, so yeah. I, I once so twice a month I squat, twice a month I pull. And I'm pulling fairly so the, heavy. From the floor bothers what? What's from the floor bothering you? My knee. My fucked and up knee. knee. Yeah. I've ruptured my quadriceps tendon about two and a half years ago. And the repair didn't take. And oh, so yeah. I've got like one functional knee. But I yes, managed, I could yeah. squat to a box about two inches above parallel with a pause. So I do that. And I can I can rack pull from probably five inches below the knee yeah, without bothering it too much. But I start pulling off the floor and that initial quadriceps push off yeah. the floor bothers it. And I, I cannot tear this thing. I no. cannot do it. You know, can you still bench? No, I've got not till I get the shoulder fixed. It feels I've been like pressing without any trouble. Like my, I hurt the shoulder, shoulder about, three weeks ago again and i've been having some problems with that i can chin without without any problems wow. i chin with no problems at all so i chin That's and good. push the prowler once a week yeah and uh but other than that i'm i'm, I'm so limited in the shit i can do at this point that i just, you know what are you gonna do? what are you gonna do but you got to do something so i continue to I shall endeavor to persevere. As they say, Clint, uh, outlaw Josie Wales. Yep. I shall uh, endeavor to persevere. Do you remember? Do you remember when Wendler and I came down there and did the seminar? Right years yeah. ago. Man, it must have been fifteen years ago. And that girl, we were out in the parking lot doing a prowler, and this girl was standing there. She had just paid to come to the seminar, and uh, you were talking about walking with the prowler, and then she got over there and was walking. I was like. Man, you need to run with that prowler. What are you doing? You're young and all that. And she was really heavy. She was probably, 
high 200s or something like that. Yeah. She was like, can't you? And I kept saying it. I kept saying it, trying to motivate her. You need yeah. to run with that thing. Run with that thing. And she finally goes, can't you see I'm fucking fat? <laughs> can't, you see? can't you see I can't run? I'm fucking fat, Jim. Don't I don't get it. I haven't run in years. <laughs> Oh god! Can't you see I'm fucking uh, fat? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was funny. She lost a bunch of weight after not that right after that, but she keeps in touch and she lost a bunch of weight. Well, so, that's good. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Man, I appreciate you being here with us today, Jim. We've been talking to our buddy Jim Steele, and we'll have him on again. There's all kind of things we can talk about anytime we need a. We can have a conversation, and you guys will appreciate listening to it. I know you will. And yeah, we'll uh, talk about some politics. Yeah, we we can talk about politics too. We that's not off yeah. that's not off limits here, man. <laughs> well, I like the last, I think it was the last episode. You guys had a really good one, uh, just about freedom and liberty and all that yep, stuff. All that important. Yeah, you know, I'm a one issue voter, man. Guns, so we could talk about guns. Yeah, you know. we can do that yeah. for sure. All right, man. Appreciate it, Jim. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And thank you guys for watching us here on Starting Frank Radio. We'll see you next time.